Listening Dog Media. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsan. Alongside me, Sky Sports Royalty, Hayley McQueen. How are you, Hayley? I'm okay. I'm not too bad. I'm getting there. I've had this horrible chesty cough, not COVID, just so you know. And yeah, a bout of laryngitis, but yeah, oh. I'm back nearly fully fit. People yeah. love that coldy voice though, especially on Sky. The viewers will be like, oh, she sounds really husky right now. At least it's not a blocked up nose because that would sound a bit like this, which is not very <laughs> sexy. Yeah. Let's welcome in uh, the other voice that's just chirped up in the background, Lindsay Cooper, <laughs> here, there and everywhere. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm going to go with the okay route as well, like Hayley. And the reason being for me, I'm fine in health. I'm fine otherwise. But I've had two football matches this week and the total of zero goals. Zero goals. I had nil-nil between Norwich and Wolves. And then last night I was at Wolves-Burnley, also nil-nil. What happens if there's a third one, Lindsay? Are you going to start to wonder whether you've got some sort of hex on you? Yeah, I've I've had three in a row before. And then after that, I had an absolute thriller for three. So it makes me feel like I might be ready and in store for something quite special. So... That might be my Boxing Day game. I'm at Man City Leicester. <laughs> that might be 4-3. Who knows? Who knows? Hayley, I've seen pictures on Instagram. We have to ask. We can't go any further without asking how your night with Gaza Southgate was. Hi, ladies. Hello. I've got a little, I've got a little visitor. She's come to say hello. So this is what happens <laughs> when we're trying to work from home. Um, Gareth Southgate, he was amazing, wasn't he, Ayla? I've got my little Ayla with me. He was brilliant. It was actually a completely private event. It was for Sport United Against Dementia, which is basically raising uh, a lot of money for Alzheimer's Society to help ex-professional sports people who are suffering with dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, It was an incredible night. No press there, which I thought was a really bad idea initially, then realised actually it was great because Gareth Southgate, could he just relaxed. I did a lovely interview with him and he was very open. 
we chatted a little bit as well about how he was slightly worried about dementia himself. He's been involved in these field studies looking into the links between dementia and of course heading the ball that's not what the whole evening was about was it Ayla no it was about lots of different sports coming together so it was the it was at the oval which was oh my goodness beautiful and I was in sort of the new section of their stand which has been um which has been added and, and done up. So that was very cool. I say cool. They had no central heating. So I was absolutely freezing. Really was cool. As, as, yeah, it was. <laughs> Minus temperatures. He was doing it as well from not, not just a selfish point of view, but yeah, he, he, he was a centre half like my dad who's, who's suffering from <laughs> dementia. That is nice. Yes. Uh, and I'm very sorry, everyone. I'm just having to multitask <laughs> right now, but she will be making her way downstairs very soon. Oh, hold on. I think that's the neighbour here. Oh, there we go. Sorry, ladies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Trying to multitask. Oh, wow. Without so, sets of parents nearby. This is fun. Well, this is all the joy of being a mum, Hayley, and you're doing oh terrifically God. well. Uh, not we've really. had Well, not I've really. had children. Well, uh, I've had children in the background of podcasts. There's not a single parent or auntie or uncle listening to this who doesn't sympathise, who hasn't been there in some way, shape or form before. Because Gareth was so relaxed mm. and there were no press there, yeah. You don't have to tell us, obviously, but do you think you got more out of him? Did he reveal anything to you? You thought, oh, yeah, okay. We didn't. We didn't go into specifics of certain players or a sort of the Euros and and the hangover from that. We kind of wanted to focus on the positive. So we did chat a lot about actually the charity and and the research that's going into. And not just heading of the ball, but everything and the funding for dementia. And, and he was great. He chatted to a lot of people that were there in the evening to tell them how they'd been affected by things. But he just seemed really positive. He's been doing a lot of, of reading up other, you know, sports people's autobiographies and biographies. And he speaks. He was, you know, he's telling me about how he's spoken quite regularly to Sir Dave Brailsford and is really fascinating about him and his kind of small margins. And he, yeah, we had a really good chat about kind of other leaders within sport that he takes a bit of inspiration from. And I joked with him as well, because I was saying, you know, Scotland are going to be facing Ukraine. We've obviously got playoffs um, for um, the World Cup, because we're not quite there yet, even though England are. And I'd said, oh, Steve Clark was going to tap him up for a bit of information to see how, how Scotland can try and beat Ukraine, because England did it so very well. Um, so I think I managed to talk him into having a chat to Steve Clark. So <laughs> I got something out of that as well. <laughs> Working for the home nations there, Hayley McQueen. No fee involved uh, in that link-up. All right, well, let's crack on with the show then. Coming up today, after a bizarre tannoy announcement, don't know if you caught this, brought an FA trophy game to a halt last weekend. We discuss the weirdest things that we've heard over a stadium speaker. And in light of the Lionesses crushing 20-0 win over Latvia on Tuesday, we break down our favourite crazy score lines and why. But first, with the Premier League season approaching the midway point, can you believe, uh, we appear to have, fingers crossed, a magnificent three-way title battle on our hands. Today, we want to start by discussing our title favourites and what the crucial factors could be over the next few game weeks. Don't come to play. 
let's start with the title race then. We're 13 games into the Premier League season and it seems like a good time, doesn't it, to take stock of where we are so far. Well, for the first time in years, we seem to have a genuine three-way battle for the title with Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool separated by just two points. Uh, West Ham are seven points behind third place Liverpool, so we'll leave them out of the equation for now. Um, I guess we shouldn't rule out a shock. At this stage in 2021, eventual champions Man City were fourth, five points behind leaders Liverpool. So never say never. Uh, let's talk about the title race then. I'm really keen to know what both of you think. Is it going to stay the closest mm. it's been in years? Who do we think are going to win? Uh, who's going to play or what is going to play a factor in the next couple of months? Lindsay. Well, it's it's only happened three times before where the top three at the end of the season have been separated by four points or less. And those seasons were 98-99, 2007-2008 and 2013-14. And at this point of the season, I think all indications are we're going to have a fourth. I think it is going to be a three-way battle between Chelsea, Liverpool and City. One of the things that you look at here is the goal difference category, because that's that's your biggest indicator, I think, that there's a breakaway at the top. Um, Chelsea have a goal difference right now after these midweek fixtures that we've had in December, all these Amazon matches. Uh, Chelsea, goal difference 27. Manchester City, goal difference of 21. Liverpool, a goal difference of 31. And then the only other team with a positive goal difference are West Ham, but they've only got plus eight and they're in fourth. I, You know, I think you look at that and you think, yeah, there is a divide. And then you've got to take all these other things into consideration. I know Hayley's going to talk about AFCON a little bit, but that will have a huge impact. One of the things I wanted to bring in is clean sheets. If you're going to go down the clean sheet route and think about former managers and coaches that have said the way to win a title is by having a good defence, then possibly you're veering towards Chelsea there because I think they've got the strongest defence of these three. But if you're taking into consideration AFCON and players that might be lost and strength in depth, and I know Haley will go in more detail, but City City only lose Riyad Mahrez in that situation. So I think then you, you may be tipped towards City. In terms of scoring goals, you can't look past Liverpool. It doesn't help us in this conversation, Kate. I'm going to bring Haley in on this one because, you know, where do you go with this? I don't know where you're... <laughs> erring towards Hayley at the minute? Well, I've kind of got Liverpool just out of it at the moment. I know they're involved in this three-horse race. Sorry, Kate, but I I think at some point it's going to be City and Chelsea cantering ahead. Yeah, and I know Liverpool obviously winning the league just a couple of seasons ago. They've, They've They've still got the nucleus of the excellent squad, but the Africa Cup of Nations, I think, is going to be a bit of a nightmare for them because they're going to be the most affected. Look at their attack. They're going to lose Mo Salah, who scored 13 goals. Mane, as well, who's been directly involved in 67% of Liverpool's goals um, between them. So Salah and Mane, taking those two out of it, going to be a bit of a disaster. I know they've obviously got Jota and they do score goals aplenty, but I think it's the fact that they've scored so many goals per game and they've needed to to win some of their games so far. Three or more goals in 14 of their 21 matches. They're going to lose Naby Keita as well. I know he's um, 
not been as influential as he potentially could be, but he has showed a little bit of improvement in form. He's netted two goals and one assist in seven league games this season. Yeah, so basically you two are saying AFCON completely wipes Liverpool yeah, out and I, means I, I, that... I think so. I really think... I just think... Uh, the, the, the two players that Liverpool are going to lose, well, the two main players they're going to lose, are their main attacking players. It is going to be a test. What I'd say in defence, Hayley, just picking up on your point that Liverpool have scored three or more goals in 14 of their 21 games so far. They haven't always needed to score so many. Yes, it might come down to goal difference. Let's put that to one side. Maybe we could argue that actually Liverpool don't need to win by those margins in every mm. game and that they won't when the likes of Salah um, and Mane are at AFCON. So there's one thing I'm going to aim in mm. that direction. And um, mm -hmm. when we're looking at Chelsea, I think an important thing to remember as well is that, you know, in Guardiola and Klopp, you've got managers who have won the title before. They are in experienced territory now, whereas you could argue Tuchel isn't. Yes, of course, he is in the Bundesliga, but in terms of the Premier League, he's never he's never been in this intense situation before, has he? Could that count against Chelsea, maybe? Well, the other thing, though, and this is for Chelsea, you look at fixture lists and you look at who they've played already mm. and Chelsea have played the big guns, right? They've already played Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, City, United. And there are, there are bigger games to come for both City and Liverpool, certainly over the Christmas period. And then, of course, they all come round again. I think Chelsea have already proven what they can do to a degree. So I think if you're a Chelsea supporter, you're hanging on to that, the fact that you can repeat some of these performances against the teams around you. I, I do think it will be a very much a low point total season though. You know, when we've seen plus 90 odd points or over 100 points mm. as, as we saw with Manchester City under Pep, we're not going to get anywhere near that because of this competition and because of this battle. So it will be a low point scoring title winning season in my opinion. Another thing against Chelsea potentially, and we'll talk about City to kind of round this off in just a second, is that Chelsea will have harder Champions League games going forward. They aren't yeah, guaranteed that's true. top spot that in true. their group. So uh, stronger sides that they're going to have to play against, that means they're going to have to use obviously the stronger players in their squad. So could there be a little bit of fatigue uh, from that point of view? Um, Hayley, what about Manchester City? Fours and against, where do they sit? We've talked a lot about Liverpool and Chelsea, but where does City sit in this? Okay, well, you just have to look at City with regard to experience. They know how to battle on through a season and win the title, regardless of whether they're riding high on top or not. I also think they've got uh, the best squad. They're obviously not going to be losing the raft of players like some of the well a couple of key players like some of the other teams but they've got the squad when the games come thick and fast they've won three of the last four titles of course eight of the last 12 domestic trophies available but they have dropped points when you wouldn't expect remember the game against Southampton they played out that nil nil draw and at home I don't think anyone expected them to lose to Crystal Palace that was a two nil defeat the one thing I'd say about that though Hayley mm is they tend to do that early on. Manchester City, if you look pick at the, the title pace. winning seasons, they pick yes. up the pace and it yes. gathers. And after Christmas, there'll be no catching them. They might make a few blunders over the next few weeks. And I think this is the time to try and get at them if you can. But they tend to kick on and Pep's got that great way of coaching this team so that they go on a run all the way through till May pretty much don't they they've done it so many times and when these games are coming thick and fast now and they're you know they're packing them in and we've got Champions League football domestic cup competitions as well if they're obviously losing players you just look you just look at their bench and it's 
it's it's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. I just think I've said I it before. I think their it. second string would would finish in the top five. Yeah, I yeah, really do. I, I think they probably would. Yeah. So. Okay, who are we going to go with then? Shall I force you to give me a decision to round this off? Hayley, in a word, who's going to do it? Who's Should we do a one, title? two, three? I just want your winning team, actually, for speed. Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Uh, okay. Hayley? Um, City, Man City, sadly. Lindsay? I agree, I think City will win. Oh, okay. Well, I really want to go with Liverpool. Um but City are so hard to look past. They're so hard. Yeah. To, they are so Just hard. Just divide to look that past. heart and head for a second. Put them on different planes. Anyway, enough of my disloyalty. Let's crack on with topic number two. All right, crazy score lines. On Tuesday, the Lionesses beat Latvia 20 nil wow. in their World Cup qualifier with four players, Beth Mead, Ellen White, Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo, all bagging hat-tricks. The scoreboard operator got completely bemused at one point, by the way, awarding England six goals at the point when they'd only got five. Uh, the game also saw Ellen White become England women's all-time top scorer at 48 goals in 101 appearances, two more than Kelly Smith. Well, England have won all six of their World Cup qualifying games. They've scored 53 goals without conceding a single one. It's surpassed their previous record for their biggest win, which was 13-0 against Hungary in 2005. So this got us thinking about crazy scorelines. And I'm not saying this Latvia score, by the way, was a good thing. Uh, I have my reservations about it, but let's part that to one side and revel in a few crazy scorelines and why we find them so. Hayley, do you want to get started? Well, okay. I mean, I was in the studio watching this and I was doing um, sport bulletins on Sky News whilst watching our graphics operator nearly <laughs> having a heart attack in the corner of the office and trying to create more space in the section where you put the um, scores names. And I was like, I'm sure that's 10 different scores. I was like, hold on a minute. I think everyone scored apart from the goalkeeper. So that was quite funny. Speaking of lots of goals, there was a particular season actually where lots of goals were scored. And I'm going to pick out one game from this. It was Portsmouth versus Reading. It was 2007. And in this season, 2007, 2008, you had, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez. You had all these players and a particularly playing for Manchester United, scoring goals aplenty. Middlesbrough was scoring goals as well. Do you remember their thumping of Manchester City 8-1? That came in the May of that season. And Tottenham and Reading, they played out a 6-4 thriller in December. It was the most goals scored in a Premier League season. And, that, well, I think they had three of the highest ever scores um, in one season. So it was Portsmouth against Reading, the most Premier League goals in one match. That's right, 11. That's the most goals in a top flight game in 33 years. And yeah, it wasn't a great day for the goalkeepers either. Listen to the stats here. 35 shots in the match, uh, but obviously 11 goals. So 26 matches that season saw more shots. But I'm going full stato here, thanks to Doogie, of course. 29% of the total league goals scored at Fratton Park that season. So for Portsmouth, that was almost a third of their goals came in one game. <laughs> one game. <laughs> That would have been amazing to be at. Um, Lindsay, what about you? Well, was it something like six days ago, Kate? We were on the Athletic Women's Football Show talking about Belgium 19, Armenia yeah. nil. 
And that was a record at the time. And then just a few yeah. days later, England go and do that. Worth pointing out as well, an aggregate score of 30 nil. <laughs> so you take the 20 and the 10 from the from the last match as well, and it looks a bit ridiculous. But in one match, we can beat that, that 30 uh, goal scoreline. Um, and that came in a FIFA World Cup qualification game. And that's why I've chosen this one. There are some ridiculous ones out there, like 150 nil and all sorts. But... In 2001, this was in an official game, Australia 31, American Samoa nil. And I think because it was a World Cup qualification game, it just adds that precedence to it. That's a little bit like what's happened with the women's ones, isn't it? And unfortunately for Australia, you can imagine, can't you, that afterwards, after scoring 31 goals, confidence is high. You're feeling like you can just take on anyone, take on the world. But no, they fell before the playoffs and lost to Uruguay. So um, that part of the story as well bemused me. So I was trying to look up the biggest aggregate win in the Champions League. And whilst I was doing this, I got diverted by a huge scoreline and a mega tie, if you look at the aggregate nature of it, between Barcelona and Bayer Leverkusen. It's from the 2011-2012 season. And Barcelona notched up a 10-2 aggregate win over Bayer Leverkusen in the round of 16. Um, there was a double brace from uh, Alexis Sanchez at the Bay Arena. That meant that there was a 3-1 advantage for Barcelona. In the second leg at the Camp Nou, uh, I picked this one out because it was a historical evening for Lionel Messi. He set a Champions League record five of the goals as Barcelona easily disposed of Leverkusen 7-1. I think I did eventually find the highest aggregate win in the competition, by the way. Benfica beat Stade du Elange 18-0 on aggregate. 8-0 away, 10-0 at home. This is in the European Cup, by the way, rather than in the Champions League. It was in a preliminary round in 1965-66. to 66. Had to go back a long way. Uh, four goals for Eusebio in there, which really takes us back a bit, doesn't it? I was having a chat about this at Molyneux last night and I'll uh, shout out Terry who works um, in, in the press centre in the media room. Um, lovely Terry. Uh, we were having a good chat about that England scoreline and about big margins. And I thought he came up with a genius idea because we could have brand new records for this. He said, as soon as a team hits 10, 10 nil, you stop the game. So that could happen after 30 minutes, but it would give everyone an, uh, an incentive, wouldn't it? Certainly in, in the men's game as well, because I think sometimes we've seen England cruising against someone like San Marino, but then they've stopped at sort of 3-4-0 and then you just know that they're just bringing on players for minutes. But it, you could actually have a record for the team that got to 10-0 the quickest. No, no, no. Sorry, Terry, <laughs> but, that, but, but, that's, but that's not football. Is it? That's just a made-up thing that sounds utterly ridiculous thing. to me oh, and would completely like null and void every 90-minute game that had gone before it. No, absolutely not for me, anyway. But if it was boxing, they would call no. time. Well, I still think true. it's a ridiculous idea. That's true. <laughs> um, Hayley, do you have another record scoreline? Well, I've got one that I was at. I just thought I'd mention a game that I was at because I, I remember being absolutely aghast as the goals were going in because it was a Champions League game. It was a semi-final and it was against Roma and it was for Manchester United at Old Trafford when they beat them 7-1. It was 8 three on aggregate you had Michael Carrick the current interim manager curling in their opener Alan Smith as well I remember him firing in goals Wayne Rooney got a, a third Ronaldo who's still there and this is a game 13 years ago everyone and he's still scoring goals for Manchester United now um, the best goal of the game though 
believe it or not, it wasn't that Patrice Evra also scored in this as well from left back, but it was um, De Rossi of Roma. Their one goal was by far the best goal of the game. But it was an incredible, incredible scoreline. And you were like, yes, United are going to go on to win the Champions League because the last time that they beat a side, um, well, their biggest actually European win came against a side in 1968, the year they won the European Cup as well. But that was against Irish side Waterford. So you kind of expect them to be beating Waterford, not Roma at Old Trafford. They were absolutely stunned and embarrassed. Um, and that was in front of 75,000. And I was oh. one of them. So I was very, very lucky mm. to be there that day. One final one to round us off with. And it is a pretty ridiculous one, but we're going to go with it. Uh, and that is a match that took place in the Madagascan Pro League that fantastically oh, yes. well-known yes uh, and there's a side called as Adema who managed to achieve a score of 149 nil against oh this Stad... is the 149 one yeah yeah Stad olympic lemurne I, I have no idea if i'm pronouncing that right um how did it get to this ridiculous situation this ridiculous state uh, well basically lemurne were protesting against referee decisions that went against them in their previous game in the league it cost them the title so they were just all out to completely boycott the game. How did they do it? Well, they still played the game, but they decided to score 149 own goals uh, because they were so outraged. It's the highest they shouldn't ever be counted. Scoreline. They should be discounted, shouldn't it, this one? <laughs> A nice fun one That's to add ridiculous. in there. Don't forget, you can check out the Athletic Women's Football Podcast as well if you're enjoying this. This week, Lindsay Hooper and I are joined by former Lioness and Arsenal player Faye White for a special on 100 years since the ban on women's football in this country uh, with historian and former player Gail Newsham and one of the women to help overturn the ban, Patricia Gregory, both joining us. It's one of those, Kate, as well, where I urge everyone, even if you're not interested in women's football just listen to this one because it's an important part of history that i think a lot of people don't know enough about uh, there are certain things and moments and I, I remember going and watching hidden figures at the cinema and thinking oh, yeah. every person should watch this film just yeah. to know what it was like and i feel like what what patricia and gail shared with us everyone needs to hear so if, if i can urge you to go and listen to one of our shows please go and listen to that one absolutely That was when things got weird Everybody disappeared Everybody went home And I'm the only one here Cause things got weird Everybody All right, let's move on to Strangest Tannoy announcement. Mm -hmm. Chester FC's FA Trophy clash with Curzon Ashton last weekend was brought to a halt after 16 minutes. For the most bizarre reason, the referee realised that it was his car that needed moving after a Tannoy announcement uh, brilliant. broadcast that over the whole game. It got us thinking about other weird stadium Tannoy announcements that we've heard of. Uh, quite a few of them involve moving cars, by the way. Uh, Hayley, do you want to get us started? Okay. I've got one that was a rude one and it was in a big game as well. It was between Bournemouth and Tottenham. Bournemouth lost 5-1. It was at home and um, there was actually an internal investigation into this <laughs> because over the tannoy you heard very clearly, L. it was like men against boys. Oh. <laughs> Loud and clear over the tannoy. That's right. It It... It was an expletive, it was a mystery, but apparently a YouTube fan channel took responsibility 
for the incident. It was completely accidental. I don't know how this happened, ladies. So you've got a tannoy announcer who you'd think was sitting in a little room with a specific microphone or some guy at the side of the pitch, obviously, you know, announces. So he's got the microphone in his hand. But how somebody on his way from the stadium walking home managed to do this, which is apparently that sounds like a frequency thing yeah exactly it was it was a radio frequency mix-up um spurred on tv it was called and it was barnaby slater explained that he said the phrase in passing to a colleague when he was leaving the vitality stadium he said there was actually five minutes left to play but decided to leave early to get home quick and in a radio frequency mix-up between his microphone and the club's tannoy system meant it was broadcast live loud and clear (gasps) so at least was it a mix-up though was it a mix-up at least no member of staff got into trouble over that but yeah that 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 tickled me (laughs) can you imagine being able to hack into a stadium tannoy i mean you'd have so much fun wouldn't you um could everyone in the uh in the left bank end please sit down could everyone stand up in the other end could you you play like (laughs) like musical chairs um here's one and it involves moving a car um, Dulwich Hamlet versus Crystal Palace. It was a friendly a few years back. Uh, the guy over the tannoy read out a registration of a car three times. The third time he said, if you don't move your car, it's going to get towed. At which point the Dulwich Hamlet keeper, Preston Edwards, suddenly started frantically calling to someone in the crowd. It was his car. Oh, no. Was it an innocent faux pas? I, I mean, how did he get into this situation? Well, he replied to a tweet about the incident after the game and his tweet just said, running late, saw no spaces. So he just thought, blow it, I'll just park my car anyway. Um, he was asked about it afterwards, um, saying that basically he just ignored the tannoy the first time round, was trying to concentrate, keep his keep his game face on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when mention of it being towed was announced, he was like, right, I need to do something <laughs> about it and just called out to a random person watching the game. Can you let the tannoy guy know that that's my car? Mm-hmm. So there you go. But did they? what did they do then? Did they let him go and move it or did someone have to move it for him? I want to know more about this. I actually don't know. I mean, presumably whoever was trying to get out was just had to be patient until the end of the game because the keeper can't leave the field of play, can he? Because he'd have to, have to be substituted, no. wouldn't he? Mm. Um, so I presume that his car was just left there. Lindsay? My one involves a car as well. <laughs> so... I remember being at the Valley. Um, this was very early on in my reporting career. And I, I only feel like I can share this now because I, I was still wincing from it for, for many years. But yeah, probably first couple of seasons into my football reporting, I was at the Valley quite a lot. And I remember, and if anyone's been to the press section at the Valley, it's very high up. You have to go along a, lo- a very long row of seats. And then they've got those desks, like when you were at school, that lock you in. <laughs> Um, And there I was locked in and I've got my ISDN kit and all my pad and all my notes balanced lovely. And the Tannoy announcement came on and said that this car needed moving and pronto. And I thought, oh, that sounds familiar. I think that might be my car registration. So I waited for the no. for it to come on again. And I was like, yeah, that's my car. So up goes the the ISDN kit. I have no. to run back down. Obviously, the match is, is pending as well. So this is in the warm-ups. I have to run all the way outside. And as I get to my car, the police are waiting by it. 
Um, and it was some local residents who who said they couldn't get out. And when I'm not joking, when I got there, there was room for the car to get by. I think they oh. just get annoyed. They oh. just get annoyed by annoying. match days and and they did it on purpose. Parking in these, yeah. Mm. And the and the police were very nice to me and said, "Look, I know there's room there for them to get by. They're saying that <laughs> there isn't." But uh, really, if you can just avoid this spot, because we get a lot of calls otherwise. I was like, okay, fine. Why don't um, they just yeah. put a, like a bollard across it, Lindsay? It's almost as if they are, yeah, they are trying yeah. trying to sort of trap you, isn't it? I you think know, they probably have since. I think they have. I think they've actually put a bollard across it. You can't because actually park in that spot where I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Lindsay Hooper bollard, as we now call it. <laughs> Um, I've got another. I've got another involving a car, and it's Sheffield Wednesday's game. It was a three-two victory over Oldham. This was in March two thousand eleven, and it actually had to be stopped because a tannoy announced that a car in the car park was on fire. <laughs> oh gosh! Can Imagine. you please rescue? Um, I know oh, our no. listeners are going to be brilliant at this topic, so please yes. do. I'm, I'm yes. actually sure that we've forgotten a few Scottish examples because there's bound to be a few great Scottish. Uh, examples yep. of tannoy whose deer is whose deer is on the loose yes. in the hoose yes you know? <laughs> yes so we'd love to hear from you uh, you can tweet us at offside rule pod with your favorite tannoy announcement moments maybe like lindsay hooper you've been caught up in a few yourself i'm pretty sure i'm not i'm not certain but do you remember the famous moment where there was the cat on the pitch and john acres for bbc commentated all the way through it and i'm pretty sure that the tannoy announcers sort of joined in a little bit with that you know there's a cat on the pitch and it, it like it, it's it's faked one way going the other you know <laughs> I, um, I think there have been occasions like that and and if you've been at a match and you've heard that sort of commentary from the tannoy announcer yes. please let us know a tannoy announcer going off script is sometimes <laughs> never never a wise thing is it uh should we wrap up uh, go on Haley. our producer doogie's actually sent some quite funny ones where if you read out the number plate Yes. And if you say it quick enough, it's a bit naughty. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet a couple, okay? And we'll get as you'd mentioned, Kate, anyone involved listening, please add to this as well. Because it's it's a good one. <laughs> Paid me a path to follow. Let's wrap up then with some any other business. These are the smaller, maybe under the radar stories that you might have missed this week. Lindsay, do you want to get us started? Well, there's a serious tinge to this, but you you both know me so well that I, I like to try and see the light moments, even in the dark ones. And um, there were quite a few medical emergencies uh, midweek. Um, and, and we've seen our paramedics that work across football leaping into action again. And there were some really serious ones. And this was not so serious, but did look quite nasty. But I was at Wolves Burnley last night at Molyneux. Mm. And a ball hit two fans flush out the face. And uh, the one lady, um, I only briefly saw the close-up on the, on the replay, but she was holding her face and had blood. Oh. She had blood. Oh it had drawn God. blood. And everyone in the South Bank was sort of looking very concerned. They they brought over a steward. And I think at the end of the match that uh, a Wolves player went over and gave a shirt because it, it was horrible. It was, you know, a, a corner being cleared or certainly a chance goal scoring opportunity. But the header away had such venom on it and it, and it left her really shook. And I, I watched on and, and rather than watching the action because it was nil-nil, um, I decided to see what was going on next. And I saw this lady escorted out the ground 
and I am putting two and two together and hoping I'm getting four. But then there was a really good chance in the game for Wolves and we were all on our feet. Traore, I think it's the moment that he hit the crossbar. And I look back and let's say a minute or so after the lady had been escorted out, this man started legging it to go and follow her. And I thought that's her husband or her partner (laughs) who rather than going with her at the time, because it was a really good chance, (laughs) stayed in the stadium just in case Wolves scored. (laughs) And I thought, doesn't that sum up football supporters? (laughs) And also my little uh, take on that is, is them showing the replay of it. It's like, give the lady a bit of space. Come on. Uh, Oh, dearie me. Here's one for you then. Erling Haaland's back from injury sooner than expected. He came off the subs bench for Dortmund at the weekend, scored against Wolfsburg. Great moment for him. Must have been pretty special as he's been out for a number of weeks. How did he celebrate it? Well, he knelt on one knee with a big smile on his face and sort of pointed at a specific woman in the crowd as if to say, hey, it's about me and you. Anyway, she clearly was not a Dortmund fan. Because in return, in return, she basically gave him the old bras d'honneur, which is the arm of honour. It's the it's the shove it up as far as your arm can reach thing. You know, if you get your forearm and you put it in and out, I, 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 like, I don't know what the English translation is for it. But she basically gave it to him back and credit to the cameraman who, who caught it. But can you imagine scoring after being out injured? This really elaborate celebration. And then this Dortmund fan just goes, basically, F you back in return. I thought it was brilliant. Another one for you here. Uh, and Lindsay, to be honest, this is in any other business because it's reminded me of you. Um, Anton Deck, I'm a celebrity, one of the stars, of course, taking part, David Ginella. And the other night, uh, Deck started trying to talk like David Ginella. Lindsay, it reminded me of you grappling with French at the Women's World Cup in 2019. <laughs> have a listen to this. It's a shame you have this on you. Yeah, we could, we could really do that, couldn't we? The Lords. <laughs> Hate the Lords. Good challenge. Well done, Louise and David. Oui, oui, formidable, formidable. They managed to find the red apples. Oh, uh-huh, lock the triumph. Yes. They successfully got them into the metal buckets. Oh, croc monsieur. And they won themselves those castle coins. Le coq sportif. Hold on, hold on. You. Mm? Are getting better at French. <laughs> Thank you. Run a clear, run a clear. Um, to be fair, I think he's probably doing better than you, Lynn. Well, that's a bit harsh, Kate. Um, I thought over the course of the tournament, I improved somewhat. <laughs> you went from baguettes up to uh, some more sophisticated words, it had to be said. Petit All right, point. I'm going <laughs> to... Hayley. Okay, this one is is actually a slightly serious one and I was really shocked that this still even happens. So I'm sorry if I'm going to end this on a bit of a negative, but actually there's being an investigation into it. So hopefully something will come of this that you just cannot do it. There's a brilliant, well-respected TV broadcaster in sport, Bicaglia, Miss Bicaglia. Um, Greta Bacaglia, I should say. Apologies if I'm not saying her name correctly. And she was reporting on a Serie A match in Florence and a fan came up to her and literally really hard slapped her on the butt. Oh. Which like, you just like, what? You just don't do that. So she actually filed a harassment complaint against him. So he's under police investigation. He said, oh, it wasn't sexist at all. It was just a moment of anger. And I was, I was just... I was just showing my frustration, like what the hell? But it gets even worse. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I'm very glad that this broadcaster, the male who 
was an anchor man who was thrown back to just moments later in the studio has taken a professional break because he had basically said to her when she turned around to the fan who'd hit her on the butt excuse me you cannot do that mm. i'm sorry which was very polite and he he did walk off the anchor man basically said that she she sort of needed to lighten up and it wasn't that big a deal crikey what the hell yeah 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 and i'm glad he's been he's been given a bit of a rest yeah as they like, say come on so yeah, he said... We're, we're recording remotely, so I can't pat your bottom today, Haley. Uh, <laughs> oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tender bit of love. Yes. You know. Well, that sort yeah, of stuff so... has no place in our game whatsoever. <laughs> and you know no. what? We we wouldn't see that here. We we wouldn't see Hopefully that here. Hopefully not. And I, and I know we wouldn't. I, I think we've definitely turned a massive corner with regards to things like that. But it is still going on elsewhere. And I just wanted to flag it because... I'm pleased, obviously, it is being investigated. I think 10 years ago, if it happened to me, it would probably just have to be laughed off and nothing would come mm. of it. And, you you know, I, I, I have been in situations before where they're like, oh, don't be silly, you can't take that further. I'm like, well, that actually wasn't, like, I didn't feel very comfortable with that. So I'm glad that now things like this are happening and, you know, there are consequences. There you go. That's just my little one. All right, ladies, that seems like a good point to round things up on the show today. Thank you so much for your feedback. If you want to tell us what you're liking or you aren't liking, um, but maybe not so much of that, it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And there's a great website too, isn't there, Lindsay? There is. Go to offsiderulepodcast.com. Um, lots of articles on there. Things that you might have missed in the world of football, some brilliant articles on women's football as well. Um, and a, a final reminder to check out that mm. uh, show this week about the 50 year ban the centenary of it that's the athletic women's football podcast what are you up to Haley? over the next few days resting your voice a little bit i hope a little bit yeah and a bit of sports news and i've got the in-laws come they, they said they were coming for christmas they're arriving on the 4th of december <laughs> just leave you with that, that is a long stay ahead uh, good luck with yeah. that Haley. um lindsay where are you next um i <laughs> can't remember she has absolutely no idea what day it is where, or where she's going next i have no idea i i just knew that i'd got to get past this busy midweek section yeah. um I, you know what i do know where i am i i'm at the fa cup final on sunday oh so am i yes of course the women's Arsenal, FA Chelsea. Cup yeah yeah big yeah, shout yeah, for yeah. the women's fa cup final do watch it if you can two o'clock on sunday both Lindsay and i will be there until next week then when we'll have tales to recount no doubt we'll see you soon bye-bye lovely bye-bye you've been listening to the offside rule part of the athletic podcast network keep up to date with everything offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad free on the Athletic app. The Athletic. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.